people respect the hustle. I've learned that too. In my first eight months, like if you're willing to hustle, I had a guy compliment me so much because he goes, I can't believe you're cold calling. He goes, I'm so impressed that you're cold calling people. Keep it up. Like, that's awesome. And the dude wanted to help me out just because I was cold calling him. All right, Bo, what are you teaching me today? We have my boy Ross Miller with us. Another guest. Another guest. But this one's a little different. This one's a little different because Ross and I go way back, like to my freshman year in college at Murray State University. We were pledge brothers, fraternity brothers. He taught me how to golf. And I'm not very good. That's not his fault. Okay. We were in each other's weddings. Like, this is my guy right here. And uh, so I'm really excited to have him on because recently, and I'll let him tell, like, how he got there. But, like, recently he has transitioned into the commercial real estate industry. So I'm really excited to hear from him how that happened, what he's learned so far, some of the challenges that he's facing as a new-to-the-business broker, essentially. And uh, we get a lot of questions about, you know, from new-to-the-business brokers asking us about, you know, how to do certain stuff. And so I thought bringing Ross on to hear his perspective of his new career would be really valuable to a lot of our listeners, and it's a great excuse to get one of my best friends on the podcast. Oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be real fun. I got lots of questions about College Bow. So, yeah, this is Ross Miller. What's up, Ross? What's going on, guys? Good to see you, Bo. But you, you met Timmy when he was, you know, probably 12. Probably younger than that, right? I don't know. I mean, Yeah, maybe even younger than that. That's probably right. Yeah, a lot of good memories since then and still, still making a man. I love it. You know what Ross and I used to do in college? What? This really sets up your story, actually. Ross would come up with these business ideas, and we would create these business plans for things we wanted to create in the future. So uh, Ross is a dive master, and so he had this idea of doing like a dive school in the Bahamas. Is that right? I cannot believe you remember this. Oh, you got a mind like an elephant. Then we came up with a, a movie theater business. You remember that one? Yes. Another business I've always been fond of. Yeah, so like Ross in college, he had the entrepreneurial bug way back then. And then the poor guy goes into corporate America where he, well, this is where you start to tell your story, I think. But Yeah, uh, Ross, give us a five-minute origin story. So thanks for that intro, guys. Um, yeah, okay, so here's how it all happened. I was sitting in my living room in my apartment in college, and I was sitting there thinking, okay, what am I going to do? I've got an undergrad in business admin. I'd love to start a business, but I'm not quite where I need to be to do it yet. And so I I ended up meeting this, this guy called the Frog Father down in Florida. He was a guy that would train Navy SEALs. And I was like, my father's been in the Navy for 26 years. Being a Navy SEAL sounds super exciting to me. So I went down to Naples, Florida, worked out with him. You know, at that point, uh, you know, he was like, hey, you got really good fin work. And, you know, as Bo said, I love scuba diving. So uh, expected that. But then he was like, you were wasting a ton of energy with your free stroke. Long story short, came back. I was, that's the direction I was going, right? I was going into Buds. I was going to train with this guy before I went into Buds. And I was going to set the world on fire. And ultimately, I had a couple of conversations with my father. And I was sitting in my living room one day. And I switched the history channel because I love history, especially military history. And so I was sitting there and I was um, watching the TV and I saw a an image of Jackie Kennedy kneeling next to the casket with her two kids. And I was like, man, that kind of hit home for me. I was like, you know what? 
you know, I know if I go into the military and I'm a military guy for, for my career, I'm going to move my family around over and over and over again. And you know what that feels like. I do. I sure do. Growing up in the military and, and, um, and I was like, in addition to that, you know, I could be the best Navy SEAL in the world, but if I'm at the wrong place at the wrong time and I catch, catch something, you know, like that's what I'm going to do to my family. And so I commend those guys that go into it with families, man. I mean, those guys have my utmost respect, but I chose at that point, you know, I, I either need to stay single, go into the Navy SEALs, and then that's what I'm going to do, period. Or, you know, I'm going to go ahead and switch to the civilian route and, you know, be a family man and do all the things that I kind of envied from, you know, other people growing up and try to stay in one place a little bit. So you, you didn't even consider the National Guard? No, no, no. I, you know, that wasn't, uh, you know. We just offended everybody who ever served in the in the National Guard. We apologize. I considered the National Guard. I considered that because it seemed like the easiest one. Yeah, I, I'm going to, I can tell already I'm going to have to turn up the air conditioner in this room. Yeah, so, so I, that's, that's how I came to decide to uh, go into a master's program. And I discovered which master's degrees that they were offering there at Murray State. And they were doing a telecom systems management, right? And so it was uh, it was a new program. I went into it. Uh, the, entrepreneurial, the entrepreneurial spirit led me to uh, pitch them to create a class that would give me a certification coming out of college. Uh, so I actually took my own class. That was kind of cool. Um, and then I came out of college with a master's degree in telecom. And I ended up getting my first job by submitting my resume through the Chamber of Commerce in Little Rock. And it found its way into the hands of one of the guys that uh, managed an entire company for uh, Entergy, and it was actually SAIC. And so I went to work for SAIC, ended up getting involved in a whole lot of different types of engineering for telecommunications, but ultimately voice voice engineering uh, led me to work on uh, Avaya call center systems. Because of that, uh, I've always been a Denver Bronco fan. As a matter of fact, Bo helped me uh, procure a John Elway jersey many years ago. That is That's right. I forgot right about here. that. It's it's hanging on the wall right in front of me right now. Yeah. So that's that's how I ended up uh, finding my way to Denver because I was a Broncos fan and the company that I was installing, you know, call centers for and supporting uh, actually was uh, based in Denver. And so I was like, hey, honey, you want to go to Denver? She's like, yeah, let's go. So I put in my resume, got a couple of job offers up there. Headed up there, lived there for 12 years, worked for Avaya and then Ring Central. And after working for Ring Central for about eight years, uh, actually about seven years, I came down here to Dallas. Wanted to get back down to Texas. I graduated high school in San Antonio, so I, I knew Texas, loved it. So we moved down here. And then at some point, um, you know, my leadership team was turned over. You know, life happened when I was making other plans. And, you know, it was, uh, I was, I was still doing a good job and enjoying my job at Ring Central, but I got let go. And so I was like, okay. This is the first time where I've been, you know, in a good position financially. Where I no, can wait, I'm going to stop you here. I know what let go means. It means you're fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah, they fired me. Look, about two weeks before that happened to Ross, I'm in Dallas. This is just last year. I'm in Dallas for a conference. And after the conference is over, we meet up and have dinner at some, I don't know, where was the place? Oh, gosh. It was like, it was a, it was a patio grill in downtown Dallas. I, I can find the name, but I forgot. So we're having dinner and he's talking to me as we've caught up over the years, there's always been this underlying sense of frustration because Ross does have this entrepreneurial bug and he, it's like, he's been trapped in corporate America for 20 years. 
And so we always end up talking something along those lines. And so I was telling him all about the commercial real estate industry and how he ought to look into it and almost trying to like talk him into quitting his job and getting into the business. And I, was, I was close. He almost had me there. Yeah. And then uh, they made the decision for you. And yeah. he calls me up like two weeks later. He's like, all right, I'm in. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, they made the decision for me. I'm in. Woohoo. You know, I had, I had prayed because I, it takes a blunt instrument to get me to get a hint. And I was sitting there and I was frustrated with, with corporate America. I was just kind of over the scene and, and wanting to do something for myself. I knew I was capable of more. And so, you know, I, I prayed and I said, Hey, look, um, you know, if you want me to do something else, give me a violent shove. And within two weeks I got one. And so really cool timing right after Bo and I had just had that conversation, the bug was in my head. I was like, it's time to do something. I just need to figure out how to do it. And the fact is I didn't need how to, yeah, I didn't need to figure out how to do it. I just needed to do it. Yeah. Uh, so I got a little help with that. Yeah. Now there's two other things I want to mention about Ross, just to sort of set the stage. The whole time he's stuck in corporate America, he is, he's doing these little side gigs. So like, I never knew what Craigslist was until I learned about it from Ross. Ross used to have this, didn't you have like a Hummer or something? Yeah, H2, yeah. Yeah. So they used to find couches on Craigslist. He and his wife, when they were in Denver, they'd find these couches on Craigslist that had crappy photos. They'd buy the couch. They'd take nice photos. They'd stick them back on Craigslist from some arbitrage spread. Like, make I don't know. What, what would, how'd you do? Like $200 a, a couch or something like that? You know, markups could be anywhere from 100 to 400%. Oh, wow. So, okay. Way better than I thought. And then he's just driving around couches in Denver, you know? So that was like one of his side hustles. And the other thing he did, because this- was very Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. Oh, is that- Yeah, he'll be like, go to Craigslist, see what, what couches people are giving away for free, go pick it up, and then sell it. Yeah. But he started investing in condos there. And this, this is what I love about his background and where he is now. Like he's coming into the commercial real estate industry as a broker, but he's owned before, like he's invested in real estate. And so the people that he's calling on, like he's been that person, he sat in their chair, he's dealt with their problems. And I don't know if you've noticed this yet, but you have a tremendous amount of insight into the mind of the people you're calling because you've been that person before. I do. Yeah. And I didn't realize I was going to have that kind of insight and advantage or tool to use once I got into commercial real estate, but uh, it's more and more prevalent each time that I run into a situation where somebody's wanting to invest and I can advise them stem to stern on it. The funny part is how I got start how I got started investing in residential real estate and commercial real estate for that matter. And I was walking through my living room one day and my my wife and my kids were watching this TV show where people would Skype in a lot like this, they'd Skype in and then they'd compete on the game show. And I was walking through and I was like, oh come on guys, anybody can do that. And they're like well, can you do it? I was like, yeah, I can do that. They're like, well, then do it. I said, all right, fine, I will. So I walked walked into the office and I put in my application and I forgot all about it. 11 months later, they call me and I think somebody's pranking me. And I almost hung up on them because I was like, ah, come on, who put you up to this? Give me a break. Get, you know, this is a scam, right? They're like, no, 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 really. You put in a resume and an application 11 months ago. I was like, oh yeah, you're right, I did. I was like, that's you. Cool. So let's talk. And I ended up going on the game show, winning it and taking that money to seed my first real estate investment. Holy crap. I forgot all about that. That's amazing. What was, do you, what was the show? It was called Let's Ask America. 
and uh, it was basically four people, and it was it was a game show based on they asked a hundred people, and it was more of a, an opinion versus a fact show, and so they asked a hundred people what they would choose or what they would do or what they would pick in a certain situation, and then next thing you know, they'd say, okay, what did most people ask or most people answer and say? And you go, okay, well, I'm going to go with that one. And the, the other three people pick and whoever got it right after so many questions, they cut one person out of the round. And so I got down to the final and they said, okay, you know, you've got this much stored up. If you let it all ride, you'll get five times that amount back. But if you lose it, you lose everything. Or you can just, you know, play safe and do a little bit here and there. My wife was actually upstairs feeding the kid at the time. So I said, you know what, guys, I'll be right back. So I ran upstairs during the game show because I was the last one on it. And, uh, and they held on for me. I ran upstairs and I was like, Hey honey, I was like, uh, this is how much we got left. If I put it all on the line and I get it right, I'll get five times back. So what do you think I should do? And she was like, Oh, I don't know. Just you, you choose. I was like, Oh, you can't do this to me. She goes, no, 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 you choose. All right, whatever. Fine. So I went downstairs and I was like, guys, I'm letting it all ride. And so I ended up getting it right and I quintupled my return. And then that's why I had enough to add to some other money converted to a Roth IRA, buy my first property, and then it was off and running. Yes. Uh, Nicely yeah. done. And since we're speaking about TV, though, this is not the only TV show that he's tried to get on. There is another... Why do, why do you remember every reality TV show that he was this close to getting on? And it was like my favorite one at the time. Which one? Big Brother. Big Brother. But it, anyway, that all came to a, to a stop when I started losing my hair and you know, getting a couple of wrinkles. Well, look, now you're back on camera on a commercial real estate video podcast. Like my comeback. That's that's what happens when our hairline starts to recede. <laughs> that's right. I think we all understand how that feels. Uh, yes, we do. <laughs> so after that, I did invest in, in residential real estate for a while. And I specialized in single door condos because I wanted it as hands off as possible. Right. I had a strategy. My strategy was I'm working corporate America, whereas I can get over there every once in a while. I don't need a full-time job. I don't want to get calls for fences, roofs, you know, lawns, stuff like that, right? I'm just going to do something as hands-off as possible. And the margins were really good at first. Started investing in 2010. And so that was a good time, right? That was a good time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, about seven units there. I'm back down to a couple now. And then I, I've moved into commercial real estate. So I'm actually in a couple of different commercial real estate deals right now. Some medical offers. Including the one I pitched to you. Oh, you're in that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so you're you're talking as an investor, you've got your hand in a couple of deals right now. That's right. Yeah. So I, I learned quite a bit in that regard on the investor side as well. So Yeah, and that's gonna be a huge advantage to you as you build your career, just knowing what it feels like to be on that side. I've enjoyed it. And so it didn't take much to convince me to switch to commercial real estate when you have a friend like Bo. And there's an opportunity to do something that you already really enjoy doing. And so it didn't take a whole lot of convincing, but Bo's pretty, pretty persuasive too. He's just authentic and genuine but and handsome and wise. Okay, enough of this. Now, all this happened in October. Is that right? Yeah. You and I met in October and then I, I exited my old company in November. And you know what else you did in November? You came to Louisville and he took CCIM's 101 class. In Louisville. So like, just like me, before we even had our license, we had taken that first CCIM class. What? So have you gone through the CCIM? 
program? I've gone through uh, basically 60% of it, right? So I've done 101, 102, and then I've done the uh, couple of prerequisites in between for 103 and 104. Do you have the goal to finish? Yeah, yeah. I plan on getting those done, the target right now is the next couple of years, finish up the CZIM. So take me through, like, what's it been like switching, like completely switching industries? You found the company that you're with now. Like, what's it been like actually starting from scratch in something new? So I think there's a good element, a significant element of the timing, right? I mean, I I did about 22 years in telecom. You know, I had been involved in a lot of projects and leadership and different facets of the business for so many years. I had a lot of understanding of how companies work by the time I switched over and ultimately started running my own private little company, right? Because basically that's what it is. I mean, it's it's you, yourself, and you. That's it. Like when you switch over to a company, the, they may or may not have a mentorship program that's going to uh, support you enough to where you don't have to be self-sufficient, self-driven. So what I've learned in switching over is I've got to pull on some of my life experience because I switched over in my mid forties, right? Um, there's a good portion of people that are entering this business in their early twenties. And so, you know, what they've got in energy, I can make up for an experience. And then I, actually I'm not low energy myself. You know that both. So, um, so I, I, you know, I, what I notice is everybody coming into this industry that I've met always has a great intention to work as hard as it takes. Right. But what does it take? What do you need to do on a daily basis? So what I learned in corporate America was that structure, a structure of, you got to get up every morning, you got to show up, you got to grind, you got to keep working on it. You got to make sure your projects progress. It's the same approach with commercial real estate from what I've learned so far, if you want to be successful, you've got to continue to push through the unsureness or the awkwardness of starting conversations, push through the uncomfortable and get that conversation going. And if you do, that has been the most rewarding thing for me to date. Now, keep in mind, I'm really new to this industry, right? I've been in it for maybe six months, eight months, and a good portion of that was getting licensed and going on onboarding training and learning what my specific company wants me to do as far as the day-to-day things, like how they want you to track and report and get paid and all that stuff, right? So that's going to take up a good portion of your of your first couple of months. So you got a few months probably to get licensed. You got a couple months to really just get your feet on the ground to learn the environment of the company that you join on with your brokerage. And then once you get done with that, then all of a sudden you have to start choosing, what do I want to pursue? And what I've learned there is if you peanut butter spread a mile wide, inch deep, you're not going to be very effective. Although it's fun to learn about a lot of different things, you really have to figure out where you have your best opportunity and just go for that one opportunity and drive it home and become an expert and an advisor in that area. Like if you don't mind, like take us through what are you specializing in at this point? Absolutely. So I work with the investment sales team with Vision Commercial. I work in the capital markets, so I also do some fundraising for them for the projects that we put together for investment purposes, because that's I, I enjoy that piece. But my day-to-day, as far as prospecting goes, I look for, I do landlord rep for retail, 
And I, I specialize in making sure that, you know, I understand my local market as well as you possibly can. So I live in McKinney, Texas. So that means McKinney, Plano, Frisco, Prosper, Anna, Melissa, Fair, Fairview. All of these are in my area. This is where the Dallas Cowboys practice. Whoa, that's cool. Yeah, you don't care. I get it, but it's okay. I can pick up on that too. Uh, you know, and if it were the Broncos, I'd I'd be ecstatic. But in in Frisco, we got some pretty cool things coming, right? We've got Universal Studios coming to Frisco. Oh, I didn't know that. Let's see. There's a there's a group of guys from for they they actually operate out of Frisco. They went to Texas A&M. You may have heard of them, Dude Perfect. They're actually a theme park. They announced the other day on one of their videos. That's a, that's local. I think it's in Frisco as well. So, you know, Frisco is becoming quite the destination. PGA of America, their headquarters moved to Frisco. So, yeah, uh, that's a beautiful facility. A lot of things going on over there. Well, I want to I want to get back to what you said with that when you're prospecting, you're going after landlord reps. Timmy, when he says landlord reps, like he he's trying to rep landlord. Like, does that land for you? Yeah, he he's gonna he's gonna be the broker between the landlord and the buyer. Try to be like, hey, here's why you should sell. Is that right? Or it's actually more on the leasing side. So Ross would be the leasing agent for some landlords trying to fill up their space. I didn't know that was a part of being a broker. Yeah, it's all buying and selling. Okay, no, that makes total sense because if I've got an agent that reps me that tries to get me jobs, exactly the same. And actually, I just got back from Retail Live South Central. It was hosted in Austin. And I got to meet tons and tons of tenants, potential tenants for these buildings, right? So as I pick up a listing, I'm going to fill it with all of these different businesses that I establish relationships for. So I am a resource for the landlord. I make sure I advise them on their asset, right? Their performance. Uh, I make sure that I seek out, actively seek out these tenants rather than just post it and hope people come to me based on the on the listing, right? So I, I traveled down to Austin just last week. It was an awesome, awesome conference. And I, I, I've already reached out to many of them to fill some buildings that I'm actually helping out with right now. Great. Okay. So what's been your biggest surprise so far about the industry? I, I think that honestly, the biggest surprise for me is how many people are actually willing to help you out. So you go into it thinking... It's all on me. I've got to do this by myself. Again, whereas some of that is true, there are a lot of really good people in this industry that honestly make it so desirable to work in. So that's what I found most surprising. Yeah, that's amazing. What, what's your favorite part of the commercial real estate industry so far? Uh, it's the relationships you build. Like I meet so many people every day. I call a lot of people. So... Um, I'll call people that I've never met before on a regular basis. You've got to prospect hard, right? And that was one of the things I learned early on. If you're not calling and you're not prospecting, you're not building your pipeline. If you're not building your pipeline, you know, there's no mirage on the horizon that says you're going to make anything. Like you've got to, you've got to push past your comfort zone if, if you're uncomfortable in that situation. I mean, typically I'm not uncomfortable to call or walk up to somebody. I did it down at Retail Live and I'm at, so many people that weren't even holding hosting booths, right? But my favorite part is is really getting to know, to know a lot of people and to find out how to help them and to find out 
you know, in some cases how, how they can actually help me out because, you know, you can't do this, can't do this just by yourself. I mean, you've got to, you've got to collaborate. Mm-hmm. Help me help you. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. So what did you think it was, Bo? Did I, did I throw you a curveball? Well, I, what I expected you to say was something along the lines of like how confined corporate America was and how much freedom there is in commercial real estate, you know. But that would have been my answer as a natural born introvert, which you're not. So like now that I think about it for a second, like for you to answer just all the people I get to meet sounds just like you. Like that answer doesn't surprise me at all. But yeah. But you're right. There is a massive uh, side dish of benefit being you can drive your own ship. You're not confined. Even though I always got exceeds expectations on my report cards for the businesses, nobody's giving you that grade. You're not going to get feedback on a weekly basis or monthly basis or quarterly. It's not coming. Your feedback is, do you have a deal in the pipeline? Are you actually bringing somebody something they need? And so from, again, my, my newbie perspective, uh, you know, being less than a year into this, you know, there are so many things you need to learn very fast. And really, you, have just, you just have to stay patient. You have to stay patient because it would be easy for me to go, man, I've made some money, but this is a little nerve wracking, right? If I'm being completely transparent, I've seen the, those effects probably in my wife more than me. Like, I don't feel it that much. I don't feel super stressed out. I don't feel nervous. Like, this is going to happen. I'm going to do this. And I've learned so much that I know where I'm at. But it's hard for those that depend on you to understand how confident you are and where what you've learned and what you already know. Like, you know, it's when I took that CCIM 101 class, right? You even said it. You just learned about a year and a half of financial analysis in one week. The cool thing is I'm kind of a financial geek. So I've always loved that piece of it. I've built multiple spreadsheets like throughout the years, uh, like just hundreds of them actually. And so when I got into that, it just fit me. But how much I learned in that class and how to look at the deals and how to how to figure out what's investable. I mean, it's as good. You know what he describes, I feel like sounds a lot like the industry you're in. Oh yeah. In acting. Like you don't always know when your next job's coming, your income's variable and you can have all the confidence in your world, in the world about your future. But we have wives, all three of us do like they feel the underlying stress that we think we hide so well. I remember one time I got out of the industry for a couple of years. And when I was contemplating going back to commercial real estate, which I obviously did, Autumn, my wife, she was like, you sure you want to do that? It's like, what do you mean? She was like, you were so stressed out before. And I thought I had like buried that deep enough where it wouldn't affect her. And she, of course, had been nailed the whole time. You know, our wives, I'm sure our kids, like they, they can read all that, you know, and this industry can be great. So can yours. It can also be very hard. Yeah. And there can be some lean times. Yeah, that's what makes it exciting. That's something that I considered when I was switching career paths too, because it's something I enjoyed. And my understanding at the time was investments are hard to come by. The margins are drying up. And so one of my motivating factors was if I'm going to be investing in this, and this is what I enjoy, what I enjoy doing. I want to make sure I do it full time, right? Because I need to find those opportunities and I need to find additional insights into how can I invest better in commercial real estate? Because I've really switched full tilt. Now, 
I felt it on the investor side. And then I understood it from what I had been going through and learning on the brokerage side, right? And so being a an agent, I understood, hey, you know, are there some headwinds? Yes. Are they in certain pockets in certain areas of commercial real estate? Yeah. So I need to focus where there's opportunity. And so, you know, uh, doing retail, I, I even do some industrial, but it's, it's not my massive focus, right? It's not what I'm grinding on every day. I enjoy doing self-storage and learning about it. Haven't done a deal yet, but I enjoy the thought of self-storage. That's always intrigued me as a passive income kind of thing from an ins- investor perspective. So I've been learning about that as well. But again, focusing to drive revenues has been for me, making sure I, I know the going rates, the market, the products, what they're going to generate in revenue and income and what, you know, how much, how much chicken's left on the bone, right? I mean, if you're looking at getting a retail strip center and you're looking at getting an investor to purchase it, you know, um, sometimes there needs to be a little, little room for improvement there so that they, they can buy it, improve on it a little bit. And then, you know, everybody's happy. Everybody, everybody makes money that way. So yeah, it's, you know, and some people just don't want to mess with improving it. They just want to buy it turnkey. I want it completely full. I want it polished. I want good long-term tenants in it, solid contracts, good up-to-date rates, market rent, you know, market rents. And then, uh, you know, I'll just go ahead and park my money there because a lot of people just have a lot of money that they need to make sure that it just keeps generating something and something as safe as, you know, a tangible asset that you can touch, right? So that's why I got into real estate is because I can walk up and I can touch it. And, uh, you know, if it gets blown away, I get insurance, but, you know, otherwise it's there, it's tangible and, uh, it's not something a rumor can just devalue to zero. So that's why I enjoy it. Yeah. That's pretty insightful. We had a previous guest who made the comment, I think it was Dr. Jeff Engelstadt. He said, the only risk you can't buy insurance for and mitigate in commercial real estate is the risk of defaulting on your loan. Yep wind, fire, acts of God, like you can insure against all of that. You okay. can. Timmy, I got more questions. You want me to keep firing away or? Yeah. Well, before you do, you all said you talked about a movie theater business. What was unique about it? This is a 25-year-old memory, maybe a 20-year-old memory at this point. But I remember we were in Murray, Kentucky, small town. Paducah, Kentucky was the next big town, which is also a small town. They didn't have stadium seating there. So... Ross's idea was stadium seating. I think you even talked about, you basically described the movie theater we have in Owensboro now. There was a restaurant. You could eat there. Like dinner was an option. Uh, The stadium seating, the recliners, just it was taking, you know, the old rundown small town movie theater and just making luxury decisions on it. Like I remember you talking about the sound systems and things I didn't understand because Ross, you, you might still be kind of an audiophile, but I didn't, you know, I didn't understand a lot of that stuff, but that was what I remember about the idea at least. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was going to basically update a neglected market for a good theater that had up-to-date technology that would actually draw our customers from far away because it was so good. I would rather drive 30 minutes to a great theater than go five minutes and sit on a flat bottom theater with, you know, old, you know, all strain, old, you know, not a great projector. The sound is lacking, right? Which is exactly what we did, by the way, when the new Top Gun came out. Yeah, you're right. We drove to Evansville, Indiana, 
50 minutes away so we could watch Top Gun in IMAX at the IMAX theater there. And I was talking. Uh, took my boys and took Scott Walters, who's our other fraternity brother, who was a Top Gun instructor in the Navy. Yeah. So I took a Top Gun instructor with me to go see Top Gun. I went and saw it with mom at the 40X. It's not 40X. The big, is that an IMAX? It is now. Yeah. Yeah. There's something different about the one in Evansville. It's just bigger or I don't remember why we went over there, but like, yeah, man, to create that, that kind of experience, people will drive farther. So that was kind of the foundation of the idea. Good idea. That was a good idea. And I actually met a guy at Retail Live that said there's something like 2,100 movie theaters left in the United States. I want to say that's the right number. Wow. And that's it. And he's familiar with every one of them. And he likes doing the same model, which is the dine-in movie theater now. So that's, that's pretty cool. If I ever see a good site for a dine-in movie theater, I know who to call. Full circle. Speaking of movies, speaking of golf, speaking of college, Happy Gilmore came out. I guess you were in high school? Yeah, that was high school. That was high school. But you, I would imagine the both of you were huge fans of Happy Gilmore in college. Yeah. And that was the very first movie that was not G or PG that I ever saw because I was homesick from school. And this was the semester Bo was living in the basement. And he's like, hey, you got to watch this movie. I was like, I'm not allowed to watch PG-13. You're like, you got to watch this movie. And then I watched that movie. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the Adam Sandler route. And uh, yeah, <laughs> the Satan used Bo to take me down that path. Nice. <laughs> I don't know if I should say you're welcome or I'm sorry. It depends on who's listening to this story, right? I know mom and dad are going to listen to this, so that was from their perspective, maybe a joke, as it were. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'll hear from my mom when she hears you say that. Yep. All right, those were the two things that were kind of burning in my brain. I needed to get out. Well, let me tell you something that you absolutely cannot put in the, the episode. Both swerves in the oncoming traffic. Like, this just went from bad to worse. And I was passed out, hunched over. I said, I think so. I can't feel my legs, though. It was still weird call to make. But that's funny. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's one of the many memorable experiences that Bo and I had together. We interrupt this podcast real quick to bring you a sponsor. Welcome to Southtown Hub, where your business thrives on flexibility and innovation. Brought to you by Barron Commercial Group, this prime location offers fully furnished offices, relieving you of any setup stress. Enjoy 24-7 access to your workspace in the state-of-the-art conference room, which you were actually sitting in right now. Available for all your meeting needs, and what's more, our month-to-month -month membership means no long-term leases, no utility fees, no deposits. This gives you unparalleled flexibility to adapt as your business grows. Book a tour today by calling 270-926-1101, asking for Penny Matthews, or you can find us at barroncommercial.com and discover what Southtown Hub has in store for your next big idea. And now, back to the show. Oh, was amazing to get me into the Masters in 05. There's another experience I'll never forget for as long as I live. Remember it like it was yesterday. It's not like we just went to the Masters. When I was stationed in Augusta, Georgia, the masters would hire military folks, and they loved having Marines, to be on the security detail. Well, the first year I was there was 04. It was my last year in. It was the first year Phil Mickelson won a major, and he won. With a huge leap. 
Yeah, that two-inch vertical on 18 beating Ernie Els in a playoff, I think. Here's the nice thing about the story. I got the job where I had to dress like a patron, like a spectator. And my job was to go around and find people who had cell phones or any kind of electronics that made noise. Mm. Big, big no-no. I spent from Sunday to Sunday 80 hours at the Masters that week walking around trying to find people with cell phones. So the next year they invited me back and I was like, I'm going to bring a friend. Is that okay? And they're like, yeah. So Ross came and did it with me. We spent the whole week. Wow. At the Masters. Stayed at one of my Marine buddies' houses because they got out of town for Masters week. And and Tiger won that year and Ross got to escort him what, to times. Butler Cabin and then back to the... Yep. That's like so We were cool. actually on the highlight video. We were busting people nonstop for cell phones, right? And they were trying to put them on the inside of the phone receiver and, you know, hide it all sorts of ways. But I was, it was near the end of the tournament. And there was this dude that stood at least six, six, just yoked. I mean, huge guy. And I'll never forget. I walked up and said, Hey man, look, sorry. I wish I hadn't seen your cell phone, but I did. So I got to, I got to ask you to come have a, a quick conversation with the head of security and then we'll let you go. No big deal. Can I have your cell phone? And he was like, yeah, sure. So he gave me his cell phone and I led him into the guard shack where the head of security was sitting. And what they would do would, they'd walk in the first door from the grounds of Augusta National and they would come in and speak with him and he would revoke whatever ticket they obtained or had for life. And so if somebody sold him that ticket, they'd lose it for life. And then he would let them out the other door, which was off the grounds of Augusta National. Because the credentials you get are inherent inherit it you get them every year and you pass them down to generations of your family so like when we found somebody with a cell phone they lost those credentials forever yeah oh my goodness so like to say hey this is no big deal let's go in there blah blah yeah blah. totally not true <laughs> it's the only way i can get like a 250 pound middle linebacker from the nfl whoever he was you know into that cabin and so or that that shack and so I took him in there and I'll never forget. He had a duck to get into the shack. He looked over at the head of security and security looks up and he looks at me like, what are you doing? I was like, here you go. <laughs> we got a Pepsi executive. We caught a Pepsi executive, took him to the guard shack. His boss comes over from one of the, you know, VIP cabins, fires that guy on the spot. Pepsi lost that credential forever. Oh my goodness. Dude lost his job over that. So there's crazy stories for the master. That was like 04, 05 before cell phones became smartphones. Like imagine how difficult it would be today. Well, what they do today is they they have tech stands where you check your phones in. And, and they started that in 05. So in 04, bef the year before Ross joined me on this, we got a lot more people with cell phones. They sneak them in. Because look, you park miles away and you yeah. walk. Or you and get you forgot, it's in your pocket. Yeah, like you're not going back. You're just going to sneak it in, you know. But now they have these texting. You just check your tech in, and you can pick it up when you get out. And so the year we did it, we actually got a lot less than the year before. But Well, and so Tim, you'll find this interesting. In 04 and 05, it was before long distance was free, and so you'd have to pay for it. And so these pay phones, when people would make phone calls, they would need – and actually, I think it was free there – it was free because AT&T was a sponsor. So they had these big phone banks with these little booths. So they provided a complimentary. You could call anywhere in the world for free. You didn't need your cell phone to make a call. So what these people would do is they would go into those little like half cubicle stand up, you know, phone booth things. And they would 
take their cell phone and cup it into the receiver from the AT&T phone. Put the phone on the back of it and then hold it like this. That was back on the day with the flip phone. So it fit pretty good. That's right. So a couple of things that I'm working on coming up. One is I've signed up for the Massimo mentorship program. I'm going through those videos because basically I understand that I need to be mentored in order to be successful. So what I'm doing is uh, I'm doing, starting in October, I'm going to start doing the one-on-one -on -one mentorship program through Massimo. I know several people that have been through it. They're all highly successful people, not the least of which is Bo Barron, obviously. I heard about it originally from Bo. He introduced me to some great people and those people had been through the Massimo group at the time. So this is uh, a pretty exciting opportunity for me. And I recognize my need. I have gaps that I need to fill right now and they're going to help me fill those. And so I'm looking forward to starting the Massimo, you know, mentorship program in October that was originally founded by Rod Massimo about 15 years ago. Santo Massimo. Santo Massimo. Santo Massimo. Rod Santo Massimo. The name... Massimo and Santo Massimo have nothing to do with each other, according to Rod. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rod Rod will tell you he did not name the company after himself. And it's clear, right? It's clear. I mean, Massimo and Rod don't even rhyme. Yeah. I mean, it's... <laughs> well, I need to learn more about that, clearly. We had Timmy come and MC our annual coaches meeting at the Massimo Group one time. And so I bring Timmy and he brings in two of his comedian buddies and they provide some entertainment for us. So all the coaches met in Atlanta, Georgia, and this is probably 10 years ago. He comes in and, and he meets with Rod. Now, I'm really excited, excited about showing off my brother and his talent. All right. I'm equally as petrified that he's going to get me fired by doing something crazy. Okay. It's totally understandable. I'm a mixed, I'm a mixed bag. And, and Timmy and Rod and I have this little side meeting before they go on. And he says, you know, okay, you can't use the F word. And he's, he's telling Timmy the things that he can't do. He's like, you cannot pick on my daughter or whatever. And so Timmy's like, okay, I'll pick on your daughter. And he's like, no, 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 you didn't hear me correctly. You cannot pick on my daughter. And he's like, no, okay, I'll pick on her. I hear you, you know, and it, what, Rod didn't understand at the time was you don't tell a comedian what not to do. It's like the playlist of what they're absolutely going to do. Yeah, you just teed them up on a 400-yard drive down the fairway on that one, man. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh, no, I'm so screwed. But uh, it, was, it was a great event. He knocked it out of the park. He made me look really good for bringing him in. It was a lot of fun. But, yeah, Rod, uh, Timmy knows Rod. And yeah, look, my, the whole first bit was impersonating Rod. That's right. That's and right. that's where that joke came from. What other questions do you have? Because I, I really have just one more question for Ross at this point. Yeah, go on. What would you tell somebody who's thinking about getting into commercial real estate as a career, whether they're young or it's their second career or whatever? Like, what advice would you give to a new to the biggest business broker based on your experience thus far? And when you're done, I'm going to tell you what my answer is based on what you've shared with us already in this episode. I would say first come in expecting to be disciplined and work every day. Push yourself beyond your comfort level and talk to people. Call them out of the blue and prospect hard. And don't wait. Don't think you have to know a ton before you start calling people. Because honestly, every conversation you have, you can also learn from. You learn what they're looking for. You learn what you know and what you don't know. So the only thing I'd recommend is maybe calling on products that 
aren't the ones you want as your long-term goal, but there's no product too large for you to go and give them a call. I think, I think somebody once said to me, uh, actually it was just recently, really. And they said, look, you could screw up in the conversation. Just don't give them your business card afterward. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. It's like, just, just let them forget you because they're going to have a hundred conversations like that this month and they're not going to remember you. So it's okay to screw up. That is my life lesson that I teach my kids all the time. And I follow my own advice on this. It's okay to screw up. Don't come in, don't come in trying to be perfect. It's not going to happen. Come in with the approach that you're going to give people a call. You're going to try to be a resource for them. If they see where you're coming from and you're trying to be a resource for them and you will help them, you're going to ground pound it for them. You're going to do homework for them. You're going to list their property. You're going to get good tenants in there, not by just sitting on your duff, but by pursuing them. If you come in with that mindset, I'm hungry, I'm going to hustle, a lot of people will give you a shot. People respect the hustle. I've learned that too. In my first eight months, like if you're willing to hustle, I had a guy compliment me so much because he goes, I can't believe you're cold calling. He goes, I'm so impressed that you're cold calling people. Keep it up. Like, that's awesome. And the dude wanted to help me out just because I was cold calling him. And so again, people will respect the hustle. One out of a hundred calls, you might get yelled at or cussed out. That's okay. Those aren't the guys you want as a customer anyway. Because if they don't see that you're bringing value to them, they're not going to see an opportunity that you want them to see anyway. It's just, forget it. It's okay. So if they, if they cuss at you, who cares? If they say, get off my phone or like, I, you know, don't call me, I'm busy. That's fine. It's okay. Pick up the next call, delete that one from your memory bank and get right back on that horse. And that's the best advice I can give somebody that's new is come in disciplined, manage your schedule, protect your call block time and push yourself beyond your comfort level. And make those phone calls and get to know people. I'm going to reframe what you just said. Bo's good at this. He loves me. He always says it better than I do. So no, look, you said it great. Okay. Like if somebody took that advice that was new to the business in commercial real estate and absolutely applied it and had a certain, you know, skill set, certain baseline knowledge, don't have to be an expert yet, but but knows enough, they can actually absolutely build a career and a business out of what you just shared. But here, here's what I heard. One, invest in yourself. You're doing that way earlier than I see most new to the business brokers actually invest in their stuff. So you're taking CCIM classes. You're getting coaching through the Mosmo group. Like you're spending, which is really investing in your greatest asset, which is you. All right. Huge deal. Somebody that's thinking about getting into uh, commercial real estate, that's a great way to spend the few dollars that you have at the beginning of your career is investing in yourself. You will get a huge return off of that. You've, you've talked about prospecting a number of times, and that's what I think is the hardest thing about being into the business broker and probably the most important thing, actually calling folks and pursuing the business that you want. You're also making yourself a resource, and you were talking about this when you were going to retail live in Austin, like you're trying to create a network. Like you went there to meet people who could potentially be tenants in the space that you're repping for these landlords that you have. It would have been a lot easier for you to not make that drive to Austin and not spend the time and the money to go there and make yourself more of a resource to your clients. So focusing on making yourself as much as, of a resource as possible, and then just creating a network. You end up creating somewhat of a network by all the prospecting. That's like a secondary throw off 
what you called a side dish earlier. I kind of liked that. That's a side dish of prospecting, going to conferences, being a part of things. Like I've got this awesome network in commercial real estate. And a lot of it was through the CCIM network and the Mossimo group. Like that's where I grew most of my network. And so this is full of people that I love all over the country who are awesome at what they do. And I get to call them a friend and we rely on each other. And man, I take their call, they take mine and it's just creating a network that serves you and the people who you serve. And if you can do those four things, invest in yourself, prospect like crazy, make yourself a resource and, and build the biggest network you can, like you can be successful in this business. And that's essentially what I heard you say over the course of this episode. And I think Ross, that's great advice for a new to the business broker. Hey, look, uh, advice for a newbie, you know, take it for what it's worth. But that is what I've learned up to date. And I've been on purpose with trying to learn what will make me successful. It takes money to make money. And I understand spending money on making sure that I fill gaps and needs. And one of my primary needs is a mentor, a mentor that's there doing it every day and is going to be able to recommend and hold me accountable. That accountability is huge too. So Yes, that's part of the invest in yourself piece, but I feel like that's a key point to make is to make sure that you have somebody that's going to provide you the wisdom of somebody that's already made it in the industry and then leverage their knowledge and wisdom to make your decisions is where you need to spend your time. And so I think I think that's what I've come around to do probably five months into the actual working part of the job. And I wish I had done it sooner. Because already I can see the value of the resources that I have and the conferences that I'm able to attend each week and the question and answer answer sessions that I'm able to be a part of. So all of that, I learned so much just on today's call. Like it, there's, there's nothing, there's no substitute for great advice. And you got to find it, you can get that great advice from. So, you know, Bo, you, you actually gave me some good advice when I came into the industry. Well, I think it's time for a pop quiz. Yeah. Yeah. All right, pop quiz. Ross, this is how this works. You and I are going to take turns asking Timmy five questions. You get to go first, and we'll see how attentive he has been during this episode. Interesting. And I think, too, what would be fun as well, because you're new to this, some things that you have learned recently that maybe we didn't talk about are free game questions as well. Oh, yeah, because, look, Timmy's had a crash course in commercial real estate just from editing all these episodes that we've done. Oh, there we go. Okay, yeah, and I've seen this I've seen this bit quite a bit on your other episodes. So, yeah, this, this sounds like fun. Yes, it is so, it's fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ross, you're up. What's question number one? Let's start with what does a landlord rep do? Finds tenants to lease space. Close enough for government work. Absolutely right. Yep. Yeah. That'll work. <laughs> Nicely done. Question two. Uh, according to Ross earlier in the episode, how do you build a pipeline in commercial real estate as a broker? Phone calls. Prospecting. That's exactly right. Prospecting. You're going to be an old prospector. All right. Question three. You can tell me we're dealing with a straight A student here. That has never happened. <laughs> One, one semester of college. You did? Yeah. I was prescribed Adderall because they uh, doctors found out I had ADHD and I got straight A's then. All right. Question three. I'm up. You're up. Yeah. 
Question three is yours. Let's see. Okay, so um, what contacts and partnerships do you want to establish early on in your career with other professions? What professions do you want to get to know early in your career when switching into commercial real estate? I don't know if I understand the question. What can, oh, other businesses, other other business owners. I'll give you an example. Um, a lender. You want to know a lender in commercial real estate uh, because when people are asking about financing, you need to be able to bring them a resource for them to contact and use. So what other professions or what other roles do you need to align with in order to do the job on a daily basis? Property manager, okay. landlords, you know, a few others. The frog father. Who does your taxes? Oh, yes. A financial advisor or they they do accounting accountant yes. accountant pretty much all the like boring jobs you want to have on your team ah <laughs> uh, great so uh, we've uh we've annoyed the national guard and we've annoyed cpas and attorneys and appraisers and lenders and property managers and okay great hey man nobody's safe on this podcast i love it nobody's safe <laughs> truth be told they'd probably own that too so uh yeah attorneys right Oh, yeah, attorneys. They're wonderful title companies. In Kentucky, the title companies are attorneys. Yeah, most of the time they're the same. Yeah. Question number four. Name two of Ross's entrepreneurial plays while he was still trapped in corporate America. Flipping couches. Okay. So flip arbitrage. Couch arbitrage. Yeah, and then inve in investing in real estate. But that, that would be it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are... Those are the two we mentioned? Yes. Okay, yes. Nicely done. I would say, what, three out of four, three and a half right answers out of four questions so far? Yeah. Three and a half out of four. Yeah, yeah. Exceeding expectations. Oh, yes. He generally does pretty good at these. Actually, he's pretty good at this game. I've seen him. I've stopped being surprised at, at what he's able to recall. Yeah, he's, he's absorbing more than you think. That's for sure. I'm like a toddler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, Ross, question number five. My question, question five, what is the hardest thing I found when switching into commercial real estate as a newbie, somebody new to the industry? Showing those that depend on your you providing for them that the security is there, though it can't be seen. All right. Another another thing you said was like pushing through the hard, awkward part of starting a conversation or calling, just calling to, you talked to the, there's a hard part at the beginning of those awkward introductions and stuff that you push through. To me, that's probably the hardest um, because it's very uncertain. It's an uncertain feeling calling somebody in a new industry that you know they're just an absolute expert in, right? These guys know their stuff and they know their product insanely well so you better know their product too when you give them a call because if they go hey uh well how much is mine worth right you better be prepared to advise them on there so that's something that slows down how many calls you make but you have to do it you have to know exactly what you're going to talk to them about before you get on the phone because they're going to ask you and if you go i don't know you're probably going to miss that opportunity and actually i heard a guy speak on that today yeah know your market Market research, baby. Well, Ross, man, thanks so much for joining us. This has been great. So I want to finish one thought before we jump off. So one of the pieces of advice you gave me was, hey, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just get in, 
get on a team, figure it out from there. And that was, that was some of the best advice because I am kind of a perfectionist and I want to do it. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it exactly right. I don't want to screw it up. I want it to be perfect. I want it to be optimal. And Bo introduced me to the idea of, you know, it's okay to bounce off of a couple obstacles on your way through. Just get going. It's huge. Thanks to Bo for his advice and his mentorship and his friendship always. You know, without him, I wouldn't be sitting here today uh, doing what I'm doing. So as a matter of fact, if it weren't for his driving, I wouldn't be sitting here today at all. So, Well, thank you, Ross. I'm a recovered perfectionist, so I learned that lesson the hard way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still battling that that disease. No, good on you. Because, yeah, everything that you said that you're you're plowing through, that, I mean, that's got to be hard for a perfectionist. Like, big time. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you can waste some cycles uh, trying to do things perfect. So I'm excited to do another one of these down the road a little ways and come back to you guys with, hey, I've now done, done some of the mentorship. I've adjusted my approach. I've adjusted my schedule and my my priorities, and I've been able to accomplish these things. That's what I'm looking forward to delivering to you guys next time we meet. So wish me luck. Good luck. You won't need it, but good luck anyway. <laughs> yeah, you've got that You've got that freedom to fail. Yeah, man, that's right. That's right. We'll get to fail. Ross, thank you so much. Yeah, man. Great to talk to you. Love you, brother. All right. See you guys. Please consider subscribing. If you have any questions or comments, put them in the comments. Wherever you listen to this podcast, if you leave a review, it really helps us out a lot. We're listening. We're paying attention. Mm -hmm. I hope you are. (laughs) 